the question, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of the coming of the end of the age? And so verse 9, chapter 24, then, so it's after the beginning of sorrows, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my sake. Now, just to uh, prevent anybody who is hearing this, of making the assumption that a major portion of Christendom has, that is that uh, those who are going to be delivered up are Christians. And uh, this has been a question that I have reached in my own mind to have complete certainty that Christ is not referring here to the church. He is referring to the Jews. And one of the things and that eventually you will hear is that the primary purpose of the judgment of the earth is, number one, that the Jews would... Uh, in the end, they would abandon their unbelief, and according to the working of the grace of God, they would receive their Messiah. And that during the tribulation period, because the everlasting gospel is going to be preached throughout all the world during the seven-year period, uh, then uh, there will be Jews saved even before the end of tribulation. And I have no doubt that there will be a number of Gentiles saved also. But you should know that they are not members of the church. Uh, and so Jews that are saved will take their place with that nation in events uh, to follow and that uh, there are going to be, after the rapture, a great number of Gentiles who live on this earth who are neither Jews nor Christians, but they will be saved because they have called on the name of the Lord and they received that everlasting gospel. So I know that that may uh, seem a little more complex than you had thought about it. You know, the average Christian thinks about, uh, you know, when they leave this world, uh, they go to heaven. And uh, I don't know how they see themselves singing in a heavenly choir or sitting around on clouds playing uh, harps. Uh, but it's, there's, there's so much more to what God is going to do after he is done judging the earth. And of course, the main thing that we is so close to us is the fact that Jesus Christ 
will set up his kingdom in the earth for a thousand years. But that's getting way ahead. So these people that are going to be delivered up to be afflicted and killed and hated, notice it says, you shall be hated of all nations. Now, when was the church ever a nation? And what is the one nation in the earth that God has always paid uh, since uh, the time of Moses? God has always paid special attention to. And of course, the answer is, that is the nation of Israel. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to turn or suggest that you at least consider, if you're taking notes, you know, I'm going to give several verses tonight, and these would certainly be good verses to write down somewhere. Uh, so I want, I want to read what is going to be happening in the tribulation period concerning the nation of Israel. And I'm reading from Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. And here he is speaking of that, that time of Jacob's trouble or that day of the Lord or that tribulation period. Um, and he tells us in verse 25 uh, from, his, uh, from his time in the earth, how long will it be before Messiah makes his first advent? But after that, He tells us um, that after three score and two weeks, now that's uh, three score is is six, 62 weeks. And that is the halfway point through the tribulation period. So what happens there? Well, what we know from this passage and others is that, well, that verse 27, we're going to look, look at and say, well, this is, this is, uh, how to understand verse 26, which in verse 27 says that this man of sin, the what we call, who we call the Antichrist, he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. And uh, that would be one week of years for the seven-year period of the tribulation. And that the covenant that he is going to confirm is going to be with Israel. But halfway through the week, in the midst of the week, 
he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Now, this these are going to be taking place in the millennial or in the in the temple that is existing in the earth during the tribulation period. We know that there's already plans and and uh, materials set aside for the building of that temple. We just don't know when it's going to be done. But what we do know is that when uh, when Antichrist or that man of sin takes charge of the earth's government, one of the first things he's going to do is make a treaty with Israel. And what the scripture tells us is that in the middle of of the seven-year period of tribulation, three and a half years in, then he is going to break that covenant. And he will break it uh, with quite a bit of fanfare in that he will cause the normal sacrifices and the oblations in the temple to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate desolation. Now I know that sounds a little a little complex. So I'm going to turn over to, Second Thessalonians verse or chapter two verses three through twelve. And you might ask the question, why do you have to study all of the scripture to get all of the various parts of the whole of the message of the last days? And you can take that up with the Lord, but my opinion is that it is only those who are willing to study the scriptures, compare the scriptures, look for the truth where God has decided to place it, and then put all of that together and become a Christian with understanding. And so in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, I read this. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, and he is referring to the day of the Lord, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Now, uh, we've talked about this, but the falling away that is being referred to is the fact that the church is going to become apostate in that day. And all the true worshipers of Jesus Christ in the church uh, are going to be taken out during the uh, rapture. Verse 4 says, And who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. This is speaking now of the Antichrist. 
he is going to exalt himself uh, above God himself. That who is worshiped. And then verse four says this, so that as he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showeth himself that he is God. Now, that is where the covenant in the middle of tribulation uh, is broken. And that very thing that occurs marks the difference between what the Bible calls tribulation and great tribulation. Because great tribulation is going to be more uh, uh, terrible than what we just refer to as uh, tribulation period. It is going to be an unbelievable time. And Christ himself said that if those days were not cut short, there would be no flesh left alive on this planet. So think about, you know, we get, uh, you know, really excited when there's an atrocity around the world somewhere. And, and you know, those things are, are terrible. We look at them. But how will you be, how will men be able to take in uh, within a month's span of time? 25% of the earth's population being deceased. Can you imagine? And that's one of the smaller periods. And so the Antichrist, that man of sin, is going to come and sit in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, during the reign of the uh, Egyptian monarchs uh, between the rule of Greece, uh, which occurred uh, about 400 BC, there uh, oh, there was um, the country or the nation of Egypt, which had rulers ruling over what they called Palestine. This is before Christ arrived. And one of those, and there were a whole, uh, a whole list of powerful men who sat upon the throne of that uh, kingdom, which included the rule of four tetriarchs. And one of them was named Antiochus Epiphanes. And in about 300 BC, he did exactly what the Antichrist is going to do. He went into the temple 
or to the temple. He sacrificed a sow. He went into the holy place and he called, he declared himself to be God. Now he is just a forerunner of this man of sin that we're discussing now. Verse 5, 2 Thessalonians 2. Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. This is Paul speaking. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. That is the revealing of the man of sin. And so he answers that question, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now uh, resists that, I'm substituting the word in King James for letting, will let, this, this uh, he is resisting the full uh, power of uh, iniquity or uh, unbridled sin to uh, that is being restrained in this world today. Now, we will tell you that it is being restrained by the power of the Holy Spirit working in the body of Christ. But when the body of Christ is taken out of the world at the rapture, there will no longer be any force in the earth that resists unbridled evil. And so the Holy Spirit, in a, in a very real way, is going to be taken out of the earth, even as Christ was taken out of the earth, and something had to come to replace his presence, and that was the Holy Spirit, whereby Christ said, greater things than these you shall do, because I go to my Father, and he's going to send the Holy Spirit. Verse 8. And then shall that wicked one be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now, what's being referred to there is what Christ will do when he defeats the armies of the Antichrist in the battle of Armageddon, which is right at close to the end of the seven years of judgment. Even him, speaking now again of the Antichrist or the man of sin, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause shall uh, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And that's what's going to happen. The influence of the Holy Ghost and the church is removed from the world and God replaces that 
with a evil spirit of deception. Things are going to get really bad. And with all, um, no, I think I read that. And this comes because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Many people who have, who have heard the gospel, God has convicted their hearts that what they are hearing is the truth. But they are not yet lovers of the truth. And at that moment, they have the opportunity to say, yes, Lord, I'm ready to go ahead with truth. Or no, Lord, I don't want anything to do with this. And those people are, are described here that they will have strong delusion that they should believe a lie and that they all might be damned, that is condemned uh, forever, who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You know, sometimes I think we, we might believe that the only prophecy that is about the last days is going to be found in the book of Revelation. Well, yes, there's a lot of it in the book of Revelation, but I tell you, it is scattered throughout the scripture. Uh, and it is in places that where you would not expect it to be. Uh, and so here I am expounding in the scripture without having yet used revelation uh, regarding uh, that uh, time of judgment that is coming. All right, back to Matthew chapter 24, having read verse 9. Um, I just wanted to make the point of verse nine when it said, you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. That is that during the middle portion or at the center point of the tribulation period, the antichrist will break his covenant with Israel. He will take up a place where he calls himself God and he will begin to kill as many Jews as he possibly can. Uh, and so when it says here that they shall deliver you, it is referring to these Jews that the Antichrist has uh, deceived and made a covenant with and then broke it. And so it is then that Jews are really going to be uh, destroyed as quickly and as efficiently uh, as can be done. It reminds me of what is referred to as the final solution, which was Hitler's plan to wipe out the Jews in Germany and all the territory that they had conquered. 
their plan was to wipe out God's people. And I don't have the time now, but we could go back through the Old Testament and show uh, a number of times when Satan has done everything he could do to wipe out any possibility that Christ would ever be born. Uh, and for example, that is why Herod uh, had every child in Israel, uh, when he heard about, uh, you know, what happened in Bethlehem, that he had every child in Israel, uh, I, I can't remember, it was under the age of two, uh, he had them killed. And the scripture says, uh, and so came the weeping of Rachel after her children. Rachel was the, the, the wife of Jacob, who is the father of the 12 tribes. So, um, Satan, even up to the end, is trying to destroy uh, the Messiah who would come. Try to make it so he would not even be born. But he failed every time. Uh, and his will was done. So, uh, the Jews will be delivered. Well, who too? They'll be delivered to the government of the Antichrist. They'll be killed and hated of all nations for my namesake. And then many will be offended and shall betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Now, I could take you to Revelation, which talks about the souls of the witnesses that died during uh, this period of time in the future, during the tribulation period, that many Jews died, and they were the souls uh, that were represented by the story of, of the, the ones uh, who had been hidden under the altar. And they were crying out to God uh, for justice, uh, for, for, having, for their having been killed for no reason at all. But I can't help but think about another passage that tells us that many of them persevered even unto death. Many persevered and, and came through uh, the tribulation period and came out the other side and then received the Messiah. But one thing is clear about all of those who survived. And they are described in Revelation as, uh, for they, uh, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, they overcame the wicked one with the word of their testimony and, oh, the blood of the lamb, and finally, and they loved not 
their lives unto death. And so, so they are described in the book of Revelation. These are the people here in Matthew 24 that we are referring to. And many will be offended and many will give up their children and many will give up their parents to, uh, uh, to the beast and there will be disharmony among those within the nation of Israel who love God and those who love the world. Verse 12, oh, verse 11 says, and many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And because iniquity, remember that's like saying sin that has no restraint whatsoever. Uh, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And so under pressure, many of those who are of the physical seed of Abraham will bow down before the Antichrist. They'll take the mark of the beast and they will uh, worship and follow him. Many will not. But uh, because uh, the love of many shall wax cold, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And so, you know, this is something that we need to consider about the Christian experience. And that is the word endurance. If, if walking by the life of Christ, so, so is so contrary to everything that the world would have ever taught us. There is great pressure to bring us to simply profess Christ and then walk as we would in iniquity. That means unrestrained by the love of God. And I don't hear much talk about the fact that those people who, are, who will remain faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ in the church, that those who will not sell their souls but those who will seek after God with their whole heart, those who will uh, shun those, uh, those things that seem so pleasurable in the world, but will come to say that the Lord, he is my food. He is my deliverer. I shall follow after him. The scripture says that our minds will continually 
be on him. That will require endurance. That will require holding up under tribulation, according to Romans 5, the first few verses, uh, whereby after we endure for a time, then the hope of God springs up in us and hope does not make us shame. And this is the end of it. For at the end of all that process of endurance, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And what is love but the expression of the whole law and the very heart of the person of God, our Savior. And that means that we will endure. I could turn to many other places in the scripture that deals with that question. Now, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel, now this is not the gospel of Paul. This is not what Paul referred to as his gospel. That was the gospel that Paul was given whereby he might edify uh, the church of Jesus Christ and prepare us to be that bride for our Savior. For Israel is and will be and is the wife of Jehovah. We are the bride of Christ, and yet God will bring to himself many righteous and saved Gentiles who will fear him and love him with their whole heart. And those are the three saved groups that will exist uh, after the time of the kingdom. Now, what is the gospel of the kingdom? Well, the gospel of the kingdom is the gospel that says that Jesus Christ will come into the earth and he will establish his kingdom and he will be the all authoritative potentate over the entire world. And even though there are those who during that kingdom period of a thousand years who will uh, try to ignore him, he will rule them with a rod of iron. Many judgments will come on those people during the thousand-year reign of Christ. And we know that at the end, there will be a final rebellion. But that is the gospel of the kingdom, has to do with the king and his rightful place in ruling the earth. And that kingdom is spoken of everywhere in the Old Testament and so many places in the New. 
And so the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And so that, that gospel is not meant during the tribulation period simply for Jews. That gospel is meant for anybody who has ears to hear and eyes to see. And I heard one man say, I can't remember who it was, but he believed, and he may be right, he believed that the tribulation period would be the most fruitful time of evangelism that the world has ever seen. Uh, certainly, I hope it is. So, the gospel to be preached, that gospel of the kingdom, in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Is that the end of the world? No. That is the end of the time of Jacob's trouble, or the end of the tribulation period, and will be then followed by that which we will talk about later, uh, that will be followed by the judgment of the sheep and the goats uh, and by the establishment of the throne of David in Jerusalem on which Jesus Christ will sit and rule the world. Hallelujah. <laughs> I hope you remember that Peter said that we... Uh, would rule with him. I also know that the 12 apostles will sit in Jerusalem and they will judge the nation of Israel during that period. So there's lots of things going to happen. All right. Now, so verses one through eight dealt with the uh, beginning of sorrows, verses 9 through 14 deals with the affliction of Israel during the tribulation period. Now, this is not the only affliction that is mentioned in the scripture. In other words, this, this affliction is mentioned many other places. And of course, we recognize in the book of Revelation that uh, much detail is given to us regarding that. But now we come to uh, that which I spoke of uh, regarding uh, how, the, how the Antichrist, the man of sin, will present himself. Um, and so here's what he has to say to the Jews. This Now what comes in verse 15 is a message to the Jews and particularly those Jews who are, are in Jerusalem. Here's what it says, verse 15. When you 
that is you Jews, when you therefore see the abomination of desolation, that is the defilement of the holy place and all of the temple by the Antichrist, uh, when you see that, you Jews, in the middle of the tribulation period, and it's spoken of by Daniel the prophet, and that man of sin stands in the holy place, who so readeth, let him understand, then let them which be in Judea free pardon me, flee unto the mountains. Now, what we're beginning here is a discussion of Satan uh, taking out his frustration and wrath upon God's people, Israel. And uh, there is in, in Revelation a long uh a little bit involved passage that tells us about that. Uh, but when the Jews see this terrible thing happen in the temple, let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe are them that have child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day, for when shall be, pardon me, for then shall be great tribulation, that is the last three and a half years, uh, such as was not since the beginning of the world uh, to this time, nor ever shall be. So we are talking about something that's very drastic. Uh, let me just turn for you to the book of Revelation. Hopefully I can... Yeah. If I go to Revelation chapter 12, verse 13, here's what I read. Now, what has happened here? Let me, let me go a few verses forward here in Revelation 12. And actually, I'm going to start verse 7. Now, some people think this has already occurred, but it has not. Do you know that Satan and his angels still have access to the place where God resides, that which we call heaven, that heavenly uh, uh, abode of God? In verse 7 in chapter 12 of Revelation says... And there was war in heaven. And so during the first portion of the tribulation period, Satan's still up, you know, having access to heaven. It doesn't mean he's always there. 
the evil angels have access there. Doesn't mean they're always there. But what this says is that there is a war in heaven, and that's hard to fathom. Nevertheless, what a war it must be going to be. Talk about fireworks. And there was war in heaven. Michael, who is the angel that, as I recall, uh, watches over Israel. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, that is Satan, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not, neither was their place any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which, it, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down. And then here's that passage that I tried to quote a while ago. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them, and woe unto the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that his time, uh, he has but a short time. Now, that sets the scene for verse 13, chapter 12. Revelation. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, what did he do? He persecuted the woman, which is Israel, which brought forth a man child. And, the, and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time, that is three and a half years, from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out his mouth, water as a flood after the woman. This is the whole uh, uh, retreating uh, nation of Israel, everyone that could get away is traveling as fast as they can away from Jerusalem and from Judah. And that serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth, that means he was angry, with a woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, <coughs> which keep the commandments of God and have 
the testimony of Jesus Christ. All right. And so, having read that, and now turning back to Matthew 24, uh, where in verse 16 we read, then let them which be in Judea flee to the mountains. And that's what we read in Revelation. Let him which is on the housetop, let's, you know, let's, you don't have time. When you see the abomination of desolation, you got to be out of there. Hope that it, you, you know, the women aren't bearing children. Hope that it's not winter. Verse 22, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved for the elect's sake. Now, you must know there is an elect Israel. There are elect Christians, and there are elect, there will be elect Gentiles. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. If any man say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there believe it not, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Now, the elect are those whom God has chosen. God has marked them out beforehand. God has decreed that they shall be saved, that they shall endure, and that they will come to fruition according to his purpose. Behold, I have told you before, verse 25 of Matthew 24, wherefore, if they shall say unto you, behold, he, that is Christ, he is in the desert, Go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers. Believe it not. And then we move into a further description of things that go on under the judgment. Remember, there are 12 seals. There are 12 trumpets. And there are 12 bowls of wrath that each each of those having their specific judgments and that there is between each of them a time of silence and so the seventh seal the seventh trumpet and the seventh bowl is basically a time of silence in the judgment of God coming down from heaven and something even worse is coming so now Matthew is going to talk about uh, what can you liken this time when Christ will, at the end of tribulation, return to the earth. This will be the second advent. This will be not in secret. 
but the scripture tells us that everyone will see him. Uh, the scripture tells us that on his way to collect the Jews and to put his feet on the Mount of Olives, that he will just simply out of his mouth speak the destruction of the enemies of Israel, what we call the battle of Armageddon. You should understand that that, that, that went on at the beginning of that battle destroyed half of the life of those who were living in Jerusalem and much of the Holy Land was or will be uh, laid desolate for a time. So as verse 27, Matthew 24, as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, the scripture says that no man knows the day or the hour that he comes. Christ, out of his own mouth, said uh, that even he did not know, but his Father in heaven. Uh, and so, that is a mystery. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Interesting piece of scripture. Well, where the carcass is and where the eagles are, the, the uh, ravens uh, and the buzzards will be gathered, will be in that valley where the scripture tells us that the blood will run in some places to the level of the height of a horse's bridle. And so that's the meaning of verse 28. A meaning, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. This is all mentioned in Revelation. The sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Most of that is going to be so that the Jews scattered about the whole earth are going to be brought to their rightful place in the earth. That 
piece of real estate that uh, is become a burdensome stone hung around the necks of the rulers of this world. They will be brought there. That land will be enlarged to reach the borders that, that God declared would be theirs because what is there now is not everything God promised. Many other miracles will come about. The Dead Sea will be made alive. There will be a river of water flowing both to the northeast and to the south, uh, uh, pardon me, flowing to the northwest and to the southeast out from under uh, Mount of Olives passing under the throne of God himself. Uh, there's a lot in, <laughs> I love a passage in Ezekiel that tells about that river. And so uh, here outside of many pieces of scripture that are, uh, you know, one wouldn't expect to find such detailed prophecy in uh, the book that was uh, for uh, the declaration of the truth of the first coming of Jesus Christ and the, uh, the fulfillment of his crucifixion, uh, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascending into heaven. In that book is also much said to the Jews and there is so much more to say uh, in this book of Matthew. Most of you will remember that Matthew principally is written to the Jews and that Matthew is, uh, has the special uh, place of showing that Jesus Christ is the King of Israel. All right. I think I forgot to open in prayer, but I will close in prayer. And so let's bow our heads together. Thank you for coming to listen to this. I hope you hang with it because, I mean, so many people say, well, we want to know about what's coming. Well, the, the ministers of the gospel spend a lot of time to try to explain these things. One day for every man, the time for learning will cease. Mm -hmm. And so it is better to come to know it sooner rather than later. Father, in Revelation, you always say through your son, let him who hath an ear hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. Lord, you have not left us 
as the sons of God, ignorant of what is coming. Lord, uh, as we look into those things that your, your spirit has spoken to the mouths of the prophets in that old covenant, Lord God, we can point back at so many of them that miraculously were fulfilled exactly as the Lord had promised. And not one has been found to be unfulfilled in its time. We know there is much there yet to be fulfilled, much dealing with the words we are discussing now. But Father, may each of us know that you have so graciously shown us things to come. And you have favored us with this knowledge that we might understand and that we might, Lord God, not look upon the short term, but on the long term. Bless these people who hear. May all of these things begin to come together whereby we will be knowledgeable and complete concerning the word of life. We bless your name. Father, we pray for those uh, who might be in any distress tonight. Uh, I'm told that there is ill weather in some places. Uh, Lord, weigh our hearts are the lives and the souls. Yes, the world, but Lord, so much closer to us is those whom we have seen start out well in the things of truth, but now are nowhere to be found. Bring them back, Lord. Any God who could be so patient with such a stiff-necked and rebellious people as Israel can bring these that we pray for back into your circle of love. Do it, Lord, we pray, and bless these that hear and make them to stand. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.